building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. Today, Angela and Patty will be discussing handling moving forward with emotions and relationships after ovarian cancer, a hysterectomy, and menopause. In previous episodes, 12 and 13, Angela shared her journey of recovering from ovarian cancer, a hysterectomy, and much, much more. In this episode, we will be sharing how to deal with relationships with oneself and others after these life-changing events. Hi, Patty. Yeah, since my diagnosis and illness last year, I have have fortunately recovered. However, after recovery, a lot of things are different now, including going into menopause. And it has given me an insight into dealing with change when you're not emotionally ready or mentally prepared. Change happens in life, as we've seen with the coronavirus, and cancer is another such change. And menopause is another change that affects all women in different ways. So as a consequence of the cancer surgery and treatment that I had for the cancer, I've also had other injuries, such as frozen shoulder and thyroid problems. And those have forced me to be not so physical as I was before. And I've had to get other people to do things on my behalf that I would normally have done myself. And more importantly, it's forced me to communicate differently to get my needs met and still be in relationship with others without biting their heads off. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing that was particularly challenging for me was that many changes happened all at the same time. So some people in listening can identify with that with the coronavirus. Many things happened at the same time, many changes. And many changes at the same time can be really difficult. However, what it has taught me is that stubborn habits, which were not really helping me, had to get thrown out. Um, Some of those were like people-pleasing, trying to be nice, trying to be everybody's friends. And I spoke about that in the previous episodes. Menopause also has been a challenge in terms of change because it has an effect on brain function. And not just your executive function or your ability to, to think. It gives a general sense of brain fog for me. Other women may experience this differently. I came across a great TED talk and we'll put it in the show notes and it's called How Menopause Affects the Brain by Lisa Moscone. And she explains that due to the lack of estrogen production in menopause, the interruption of the brain's previous pattern of stimulating the ovary creates neurological symptoms neurological symptoms not just uh, hormonal 
symptoms, neurological symptoms, which affect your brain function. And these include the symptoms of hot flushes, night sweats, insomnia, brain fog, memory lapses, and my favorite, depression and anxiety. <laughs> and, you know, I've, you know, going through menopause, I've experienced some of these. Yeah, it's a mixed bag of symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I think what I loved about the Lisa Moscone TED Talk was that she was able to put them into some context. So I'm going to share here um, some of what Lisa says in the TED talk about why women's brains are impacted by menopause and she says that our brains and ovaries are part of the neuroendocrine system as part of the system the brain talks to the ovaries and the ovaries talk back to the brain every day of our lives as women so the health of the ovaries is linked to the health of the brain hormones like estrogen are not only involved in reproduction, but they're also involved in brain function. So when your estrogen declines, your neurons in the brain start slowly slowing down and they age faster. And these effects are stronger in different brain regions. So for example, the hypothalamus, which is in charge of regulating body temperature, when estrogen doesn't activate the hypothalamus correctly, the brain cannot regulate body temperature correctly. So those hot flashes that women get, that's a hypothalamus. Then there's the brainstem, which is in charge of sleep and wake. When estrogen doesn't activate the brainstem correctly, we have trouble sleeping. Or it's the amygdala, the emotional center of the brain, close to the hippocampus, the memory center of the brain. When estrogen levels ebb in these regions, we start getting mood swings, perhaps, and forget things. Many of Lisa's patients have said to her that they feel like their minds are playing tricks on them. And she wants to validate other women, if this is you, that you are not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I use that card with my partner, I'm crazy. (laughs) I've used that before menopause, so he kind of just lets me get away with it now. Um, And Lisa goes on to say that the truth is that your brain is going through a transition and needs time and support to adjust. So my experience, I have a lot of brain fog now and I find myself often looking for words and memories. And Lisa says that menopause does not affect your cognitive performance, her research and others have found there's absolutely no difference between men and women before and after menopause in regards to your work performance. So you may be tired, but you're just as sharp. It's just that you can't find certain memories or words in the same manner. And in my experience, it's left me often sort of searching for words when I'm in conversation and I can't remember things. But I also have a very expanded creative aspect and a stronger connection to my intuition. Well, Angela, I haven't experienced ovarian cancer or a hysterectomy, but I'm going through menopause with the occasional hot flash night sweat and mood swings. I realized that 
until you are actually going through it, it's really hard to understand. Me waking up in the middle of the night with the strange feeling running through my body and the temperature change, coolness, then sweating. It can be several times during the day and at night. At least this is my experience, and it is kind of hard to explain. Also, when I'm overstressed, I would experience some forgetfulness and start to cry over little things. Patty, you mentioned that at work, you were actually honest about when you were having a hot flush and told others, now's not a good time when you were in the middle of a hot flush. (laughs) Not everyone will feel great about sharing that with others, but menopause has a way of making you get comfortable speaking your truth. Yes, you're right, Angela. Menopause is rarely a topic of open discussion in the workplace. Menopause starts occurring around the age of 45 and 55. Now, of course, if you do have um, a hysterectomy, it would start sooner. But that's the average age, around 45 to 55. How do we communicate with others how we're feeling? Sometimes just saying it. Yes, it might make some people uncomfortable, but most of the time it's, it brings awareness. This may not be a good time to chit-chat or complain about work to her, as an example. What I mean, say it, you may say, I need a few minutes. Can you come back in 15 minutes or can I call you when I'm available? This gives time for the hot flashes and mood swings to subside. As for me, I would come right out and say it and say, I'm having a hot flash or I'm not feeling good right now. Can we discuss this a little later? Especially if I could feel myself getting really angry or emotional or upset. It really is better to pause, walk away, and have time to reflect before reacting. Believe me, when I didn't do this, I regretted it how I responded or reacted, and then I would beat myself up about it over and over again. So let's talk a little bit about after a hysterectomy and menopause, a little bit about menopause as well. Each woman experiences menopause differently. And what are some of the symptoms? Hot flushes, flashes or night sweats, hives, fatigue, weakening of the bones due to reduced levels of estrogen, difficulty concentrating and making decisions, memory loss, sleep problems, loss of sexual desire and arousal, vaginal dryness, anxiety, panic attacks and depression. Now I've experienced some of these, not all of them, and every each person is different. What can you do? Communicating with your partner, family, and friends about what you are experiencing and how you feel opens up awareness to the people in your life and how they can help. How can you show support? By listening, being a friend, showing love, patience, and providing a little laughter and asking, 
what's the best thing I can do to help you get through this? Yeah, that's a brilliant question. What's the best thing I can do to help you get through this? I just had an aha moment as you were reading through the symptoms. A friend of mine in the past had hives and mm-hmm. I've just realized, oh my God, that was what was they were experiencing, menopause. And it was a result of menopause. And I, I, that now that you've just shared those symptoms with me, I've realized a whole sort of possibility that we never discussed. Um, but one thing I did do was just listen to their experience as they were going through depression and a lot of challenges with the hives. Yeah, me, you know, uh, some things that would never make me cry before, I, I, I would cry at a drop of a hat and couldn't control, control not crying. And mm. that had never happened to me before. Yeah, and I think that's one of the best things of menopause. You're actually forced to confront things that you can't control and you mm-hmm. just go with it because it's not a sort of emotion that you're um, maybe overwhelmed by. However, things like depression can be more long-lasting. And the hives in this case was very challenging because it didn't go away quickly. Mm -hmm. So that can be the other challenge that some of the symptoms go on and on. And you're thinking, when is this going to end? Sort of sounds like some other experience we're going through right now with the virus. When is this going to end? (laughs) Yeah. So in my experience uh, with the cancer, uh, I before cancer, I was not great at asserting boundaries. I can easily create them, but I'm not good at enforcing them, say, in terms of how I will relate to other people in my relationships. But hospital and cancer and my different brain has helped me to say no. Uh, it also taught me to say to people, don't talk to me now. I also learned to say, I can't focus. Don't talk about that at the same time as this. Just tell me, focus on this. I I became very direct about telling people what they could say to me and how much I could digest. I would also say, can you turn the music off? I can't handle it. And I'm still now... Even though I've recovered, I don't have the energy that I had before, the mental focus ability that I had before. So I need to say to people, I can't multi-focus now. Let me do this first and then I will answer your question or help you. And I simply have to do that because I don't have the brain function capacity. So before I used to feel bad about being firm in my tone Now after cancer and being in menopause, I'm learning to be okay with being firm and saying no and telling others, I'm not giving you my time at this moment and leave me alone. Or saying, I can't do that for you and I'm not going to do that for you. Many women who have recovered from ovarian cancer have further complications that arise from treatment, which can make life more unbalanced. And in my case... That has made me work on my self-esteem and acceptance of this new condition in my body. And also, I have to learn how to communicate my new needs to others. In recovery, you may also not feel great or during treatment as well. 
And how do you communicate when you don't feel great? How do you do relationships when you feel sick, unwell or just not right? In recovery, a lot of people struggle with others saying to them, you look so well, because those people are genuinely happy to see you looking better, but you actually feel awful on the inside and not great, and you're struggling with where you are, which is not your former self. And how do you communicate that to others? Angela, I know I have said that phrase, you look great, and didn't realize how this could make people feel. I'm thinking I'm being supportive and caring. And you are being supportive and caring. So one thing, one tip I can share with people if you're with someone who's unwell, whether it's cancer or anything, instead of saying um, just you look great, you can say, you look great, how are you feeling after you've said you look great? You shouldn't have to stop saying you look great to someone you care about who has been sick and is now better. Just be prepared that they may not be so overjoyed with your happiness to see them better because they may not be feeling good on the inside. And a simple how are you going or how are you feeling will give that person who's unwell and open to share if they want to. Most survivors feel better sharing with another survivor or someone in the helping professions because they may not want to dump on their friends or family unless they feel that that person is able to listen or understand. Well, while I was doing some research on this topic, here are some suggestions I came across on www.cancer.net to show support when a friend or loved one has cancer. The first one is take time to acknowledge and cope with your own emotions about the diagnosis before you see your friend or loved one. This way you can focus on your friend or loved one. Yeah, that's a very important area to start with the diagnosis. In my experience, my diagnosis was a shock for me. So I was very prepared because I was so shocked for others to be shocked too. One thing that helped was that some of my support people communicated with each other and they worked as a team to focus on what was best for me and they supported each other instead of dumping their shock or other emotions on me. We, as a team, also talked a lot to medical and hospital staff, and those people were so great at giving medical advice to ground the family and friends to keep us out of the emotions. We needed to have a lot of practical advice about my uh, prognosis, what my future outcomes might be, and that was really important. If you want to be supported in your journey, if you've got diagnosis, nose with cancer, one strategy that really is important is to really imagine the type of support that you want. It's very easy when you get diagnosis to get depressed, to be in fear, and that is not going to help give you the support that you want. All you're going to manifest is more fear and more lack of support. So spend some time imagining, I want to have a friend 
to be there in this way. I want to have somebody to help me with this problem and spend some time just asking for it, visualizing it, because what happened was that I did that and it happened. I would visualize, I really need someone to help me understand this part of my cancer. And somebody came to me, came with me to the doctor the next meeting Mm -hmm. immediately. I've been around a lot of people with cancer and they can be in a very bad mood or they may not know how to ask for help and they certainly may not know how to receive help. So support people are very important if you've got um, at that first stage of diagnosis. Well, number two is start your visit by saying, it's good to see you instead of commenting on a physical changes. Yes, this was really good in the hospital because it was really good for me to see people too. So when they just naturally said, it's good to see you, I felt that too. And that can be better received than you look great <laughs> comment because you may not look great <laughs> in the hospital. Yeah. Number three, ask permission before visiting, giving advice and asking questions. Be sure to make it clear that saying no is okay. Yeah, in my experience, sometimes you may be too unwell to say no or to communicate at all. So again, try to find a support person to communicate on your behalf. If you can text, you can text instead of talking on the phone and send text to people to say you can't talk and they should get it. If they don't, they will get it eventually. A sick person may not be able to listen very well and others may jump to conclusions about how much you have your wits about you. As long as you can handle that there will be confusion, just try repeating things to get your communication clear and to let people know that you do understand some things and you don't understand other things. A lot of us when we're sick hate losing our faculties. It's very challenging to be functioning and then to lose control of those functions, not just your mental functions, but your physical functions is extremely, very confronting as an adult. So just accept or aim to accept that there will be times when things are misinterpreted, things are out of control and try to learn to laugh about how wacky (laughs) some of your situations are or your misinterpretations. I made up a lot of things in hospital, but other times I was extremely perceptive, more perceptive than other people around me. So you need to respect uh, the point of view of a person that's ill, but also clarify that information can be relayed incorrectly and to try to learn how to correct that misinformation that can be very frustrating when you're ill. Yeah and sometimes you're on pain medication too and you're kind of loopy and you may not be understanding everything correctly. Yeah. Number four, make plans for the future. This gives your friend or family members something to look forward to especially because cancer treatments can be long and tiring. And be prepared that there may be negative feelings about the future too. It's a mixed bag because there's so many unknowns with cancer and 
uh, treatments and how they will go. Yes. Number five, make flexible plans, which are easy to change in case your friend or family member needs to cancel or reschedule. Yeah, I couldn't organize anything in hospital and now in recovery, I'm learning to organize, but I'm very slow and I have to be very methodical about it. And in hospital, I would forget a lot. So if you're sick, don't expect yourself to be on top of things if you're unwell. And if you are a support person for someone who's sick, understand that things are not going to be <laughs> running on a regular schedule. But eventually, when I was in hospital for 10 weeks, we did find a rhythm, which was fascinating to me. When things were so chaotic, after a while, as my body started to get better, um, instead of dying, there was a rhythm that formed. And rhythms are very important in, in healing and establishing a better health to get better after being very sick. And number six, laugh together, have fun when appropriate and when needed, use humor. A light conversation or a funny story can make a friend's or family member's day. Yeah, I had friends who read books to me and sometimes we watched YouTube videos on some comedians that mm -hmm. I could actually focus on, some things I couldn't focus on. and. Sometimes it was just my friend's face and we would celebrate that I had a bowel movement or something really. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I still have a memory of like celebrating a bowel movement. And it's, just, <laughs> it's still a great memory after my experience. Number seven, allow for sadness. Do not ignore uncomfortable topics or feelings. Number eight, let your friend know when you will plan on calling or stopping by. Also, let your friend know that it's okay not to answer the phone or want visitors. Yeah, that was very supportive that people understood I wasn't in the mood to communicate. Mm -hmm. And also in my case, I wasn't able to communicate. Number nine, offer to help. Many people find it hard to ask for help, but your friend or family member will likely appreciate the offer, even if they don't take you up on it. You can offer to help with specific tasks, such as taking care of children, taking care of a pet, or preparing a small meal. If your friend declines an offer, don't take it personally. Number 10, follow through. If you commit to help, it is important that you do follow through on your promise. Number 11, treat them the same. Try not to let your friends or family members condition get in the way of your friendship. As much as possible, treat him or her the same way you always have. Number 12, talk about topics other than cancer. Ask about interests, hobbies, or other topics not related to cancer. People going through treatment sometimes need a break from talking about the disease. One of the things I miss about hospital was hearing about people's lives 
on a regular basis when they would visit me um, or having them telling me what was going on in the world. Instead of me listening to the news, they would relate what was happening from their point of view. And I had so many great conversations in hospital that made my relationships better and closer. And I, I actually joke that I got to see people more because I was in hospital and it was a really great way to catch up with yeah. people. But it's because we had more uh, time together and quality time. So moving forward after cancer is the next challenge once you get through the cancer and if you survive it. Once you have recovered or you are in recover recovery, there can be a lot of emotions about not being the person you were before and not having the energy levels that you had before, which is a lot like menopause for those women experiencing symptoms. Menopause can be an opportunity like recovery from any life change to consider who do you want to be now? At this time, I am still experiencing frustration about not being able to lift things or be active as I was before. But then I think, well, what do I want to do instead? And who else can I ask to do that for me instead of me being the workhorse? <laughs> Sometimes there may be deeper emotions and grief or anxiety about the future that need to be experienced in order to help you move forward. You can't avoid those emotions. So if you are experiencing trauma of uh, disease or changes in your life, are there emotions that need to be experienced? Do you need a support person to help you do that? And are there dreams that need to be fulfilled now that you have delayed for a better time? Changes and life challenges are always an opportunity to throw out the ideas of who you should be and start living more authentically or more optimally to have your needs met and have better relationships. And life coaching with Patty and myself can help you if you're looking for more support to make decisions, to move forward, that meet your needs and improve your relationships. And if you do need more information on the topics that we talked about, you can go to my website, www.coachingforinspirationwithpatty.com and Patty's P-A-T-T-I. And if you want to learn how to move your body, increase your breathing capacity, release anxiety, and just feel free in your body, I'm going to be launching some online classes this year in September and August, hopefully with the breathing classes, depending on how I get myself <laughs> into action with my recovery. So I've got the link in the show notes to join my newsletter if you want to learn about those online classes. And Angela and I would like to thank you for listening and supporting our podcast. We would love to hear from you about this topic or any other topic. Leave us a comment or a voicemail message on Anchor Podcast. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message 
And please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback. Thank you.